Hi, and welcome to the River of Life Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. We got an awesome treat for you today. Um, one of my favorite preachers, I love when this guy ministers, it just, it, it, I, just, I get blessed every time. Would you guys welcome our men's pastor, Pastor Stephen, as he shares the word today, amen? Bless you, God bless you. Good to be here, a pastor asked what I teach the lesson today. I was like, yeah, that'd be fun. I also want to uh, welcome any first-time visitors. Go ahead and clap for them. Hallelujah. Just in case. I was doing my uh, security duties last week, and a man that I'd never seen his daughter was walking in for the very first time. I'm thinking, wow. Still, and a couple weeks ago in, in prayer, it seemed like there was a couple that I had never, ever seen before. You know, as a brother at work was telling me since the pandemic hit, his church has been shut down. So that's since March. No services, and they don't even have any online things going on. So churches are really closing in this, but we are still moving strong, and I just want to give God the glory and want to welcome anybody that's looking for somewhere that's Holy Ghost filled and give Jesus the glory. Hallelujah. 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 Welcome. Visitor one time only. Hallelujah. Uh, stand for the reading of the word. We're still speaking in uh, with the topic of thy kingdom come. <clears throat> Turn your Bibles to Mark 4, 30 through 32. That's Mark 4, 30 through 32. And he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds of the earth, but when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all the herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. Go ahead and be seated. I've titled this Kingdom Greatness, Kingdom Greatness. Oh, wonderful Jesus, I pray that you would touch my mouth this morning and I would say the things that you want to be said, Lord God, that I would decrease, you would increase, that your will, your word, your mind would be ministered this morning in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Kingdom greatness, kingdom greatness. You know, we've already established that a kingdom is any place or anything under the jurisdiction of a king. Our king is Jesus, meaning your money, your time, your car, your dog, everything that you have. If you have a king, they are the ones that control that. And as we look at this, you want to think, well, where is the kingdom? The Pharisees asked Jesus one day. Is it here or there? He says, not here or there. The kingdom of God is in you, meaning if you're a Christian and you've given your heart to Christ, you are part of his kingdom. You know, the, and how does that happen? The Bible says that if a man confesses with his mouth the Lord Jesus, believes in his heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. The phrase Lord Jesus means a whole lot. 
A lot of people know Jesus as a good guy, a good savior. They know Jesus as God's son, a great teacher and prophet. But only that relationship where he is your Lord gets you into his kingdom. Only when you say your word, Lord, is what I'll do. Your decrees are the, are the things that I put foremost. I won't let them fall to the ground. You know, I went to a Christian college. It was Calvin College in Grand Rapids. And I was out there with PKs and deacons kids and church workers kids. And I was kind of amazed that there was many of them who never had that lordship relationship. They grew up in church but never said on a specific day because they'd say, I don't remember ever doing this. And I was kind of shocked, only saved a couple years. And they said, you know, I have never did that. I'm sorry if you can't say there's a time when I said, Jesus, you're my Lord, you're my boss, you're my shot caller, you're not in his kingdom yet. But it's, it's that simple. Repent of your sins, make him your Lord and king, and then you will be a kingdom son and daughter. Hallelujah. Jesus here likens the beginning of his kingdom as a grain of mustard seed. Why did he do that? Think of it. The king of kings came down and lived in Mary for nine months. The king of kings was born to a blue-collar family. The king of kings was born in a smelly stable, smelled like uh, animal waste. This is not natural for dignitaries and kings, especially not the king of all kings. Why did he did it? do it? It was obscure. It was small. It was hidden. There was only a handful of people that even knew this was going on. Why? Because our king was a king that says, I am the one that will come from heaven. I will put on flesh. I will not think myself to have reputation above God or robbing God, but I will make myself a lowly servant. He had a humble spirit and a humble mind, obscure and small. It was almost like it was hidden, small. And then it grew up by the time in Acts 17, it got to the place where they had this testimony. They turned the world upside down. Meaning Jesus, his teachings were against the grain. Uh, his kingdom collided with uh, the kingdoms of this world. He started saying things like, you know, if you want to be the greatest, you have to be a servant of all. If you want to get ahead, you have to give your life away. These phrases, this word came in, a co in contact with the world and it turned it upside down. People were repenting and giving their hearts to him. They gave over to Jesus and they started burning their stuff in the middle, of, their sins in the middle of the street. They began, they began repenting. They began changing. They began turning. There was a collision between kingdom, uh, uh, Jesus' kingdom and the kingdoms of this world. But then it says it became a great tree, a great tree, and shot out branches. What are these branches? John 15 and 5 says this, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. What is he saying there? He says, my kingdom is going to have my kids shooting out into the world, shooting out in outreach, shooting out. And it says there that it became a lodging for birds. 
As I was doing my studies, there was only a couple of thoughts on this. One was the birds are the old devil. He gets so much cred, I tell you. It was the old devil. Well, the way I look at parables, I try to find what is the natural meaning that Jesus was saying in the world of his story and apply it to spiritual truth. Say, for instance, the parable of the guy that was sowing seed. He said the seed was the word of God, uh, fell on some stony ground, good soil, and the bird came and stole that seed. And he said the, seed, the bird was the devil. And that I can understand because in the natural world, plant some seeds, you'll see the birds go out and they, they eat it. And then the other parable where he plants good seed and then the devil comes and plants his bad seed to choke the word, being tears, uh, weeds around the, the wheat. I understand that. That is like the unsaved that's planted in the lives of Christians who they're there only to pull them down. You know, after work, let's come on to the bar. All you got to do is get a Coke. You don't have to. Or you remember that old guy that came into our, our life and we used to do this with them sinful things I can understand that but in this when a bird in the natural world sees a tree he's not trying to tear it down he sees it as a place of lodging safety peace shelter comfort and that's what Jesus is trying to say in this parable my kingdom sons, my kingdom daughters, they are going to stretch out into the world. and They're going to be a place for the world to be comforted, to be ministered to, to have safety, to have peace. The beginning of this word was way back at the old church. I got this kind of way back when we had our adoption Sunday. As we were I was listening to the interview going up on the stage, this fell in my heart that what you are seeing right now is this parable lived out. When a son, a kingdom son, and a kingdom daughter agree, we will adopt. They are, in fact, stretching out and becoming safety and shelter for that little one. When a kingdom daughter says, I'll help out at a pregnancy center. When a, a kingdom son says, I'll help coach and I'll show them what real men are all about. And they minister the love of Jesus. And they, 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 yes, they preach Jesus, but that's not the only thing. They're trying to meet needs. And when they stretch out, in fact, they are stretching out like this branch to bring comfort, to bring peace, to bring safety, to bring warmth, to bring the love of God into the world. He's saying, I am the God who I stretch out towards my enemies and I let my rain rain on the unjust and the just alike I let my sun shine on the the unsaved and the saved alike I'm a good God I outreach to my um, enemies still I want a testimony from my sons and daughters in the world in chaos I'm the God that stretches out to his enemies. I'm the God who causes even those who blaspheme my name to feel my love. I need my sons and daughters' hands, their feet, their money, their time to minister my love. That is what he's saying in this parable. Remember, this same Jesus, when he preached to thousands, says, I have compassion on the masses. They've been with me a long time. And when they go back, I fear that they are going to pass out. Philip, you give them something to eat. He's a practical Jesus. He's a Jesus that has spiritual kingdom. And he wants us to minister in his love. There's so many examples of this. Got a couple examples here. Um, Messenger International with the Breviers. They are kingdom branches that stretched out 
and sex trafficking. I was on the internet and they were saying they had actually helped 28 uh, uh, young ladies get saved and rescued. A kingdom branch that stretches out. Hallelujah. Pastor Tony Evans, he's got this great ministry where his church adopts a school. One member is over about three or four students and they meet once a, a week and all this uh, church member does is meet needs. It could be tutoring, it could be money, it could be job placement. It is so effective that the state of Texas is asking him, can you take more of our schools? What's going on? A kingdom son had a vision. A kingdom son will go and reach all the way, our branch, all the way into the schools. And sure enough, they're feeling the power of Jesus, the greatness of Jesus in a kind act like this. Dr. Martin Luther King, I heard an interview which kind of shocked me that he never really even intended on being in the civil rights struggle. He was going to be a church pastor, get his degree, and be a pastor for the rest of his life. Somebody came to him and says, can you be a spokesman for us? And the rest is history. A kingdom son stretching out over a whole nation. And... Sure enough, race relations improved. It cost him his life, but sure enough, it was because a kingdom son had a vision, a branch that stretched out over a whole nation when they turned those TVs on throughout the whole world and they seen the injustices of what was going on. It was a kingdom son that had a kingdom vision that was greater than what was going on in the world. In this pandemic, God is looking for somebody to reach out and let the power of his kingdom kingdom through them as a branch shelter somebody William Booth the start of the Salvation Army Methodist preacher he had a vision to just minister to street people I mean he got in conflict with his own brethren it was a messy business you know, and I can just uh, feel the passion as you read some of the things he was writing. It says, we're seeing an amazing grace and somebody's going to freeze to death out there tonight. We're singing church songs and somebody is going to be murdered tonight. They're going to starve and we're the church and we're his body and we have his resources and we have his power and we have his wisdom and we have his word and we're going to be in here singing our songs. They're going to be frozen there tonight right outside where the church is at and church people were giving him grief for it. So he and his wife in a meeting just got up and did the thing that was in their heart. And still today, they, they do all type of great services. He's been dead 120 years or more, but this kingdom son stretched his branch out, and we're still feeling the power of what God did. We can make this whole, the rest of this whole message about people like this. I can tell you about doctors, Christian doctors and nurses who take their vacation time, fly overseas for free health care. I, I can tell you about the abolitionist preachers who made the uh, runaway uh, slave, the uh, Underground Railroad, go right through their church, right through their homes, endangered their life. Why? They had a kingdom call. They had a kingdom vision. They had kingdom power. They had kingdom courage. They had kingdom inside of them and they stretched out and many slaves were free up in Canada because of them. 
But when Jesus said they were branches, he said they were great branches. I was kind of intrigued about that because I think Jesus is not just only saying it's as big. And the, the Greek word there is megas. This is the word that we get our megaphone, uh, the word megaphone, like that device that makes your voice bigger. Or mega church. I believe Jesus was saying more than just size. But size is a part of it. Megas is large. Listen to these couple of scriptures. Matthew 27, 60. And laid it in his own tomb, meaning Jesus' body, which he had hewn out in a rock, and rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher, and departed. <clears throat> John 21, 11. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to, to land full of great fish. That's Megas fish. And... 153, and there were so many, yet not the uh, net was broken. You know, I've heard Christians say, oh, I don't like big churches. You get lost, you're just a number, you know. My answer to them is, you know, if you do it Jesus' way, it works, you know. Jesus preached to hundreds and thousands, and then he was in the house of uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He, he made house calls, you know, and... Surely the disciples carried that practice on. They went from house to house. You got the big gathering and you got little gatherings, kind of like our life groups, that type of thing. This started with Jesus. Or the apostle Paul, you know, in Ephesus, he would go from house to house with tears in his eyes, persuading them about Jesus from house to house. And I understand that largeness is problem, just like in Acts 6 where the Greeks... Widows were being uh, neglected because all of a sudden you had all these people. They reorganized, and the Bible says that the word of God grew and increased. But we can't hinder and put our brakes on when we see size. It's a big church that could pipe in clean uh, drinking water overseas. They could tear off 50 grand, 100 grand, and send an engineer over there and minister practical things if you're big the biggest church i was uh looking is uh yang he cho he's got about four hundred and eighty thousand. if you can believe 480,000 people about 520 pastors what that must be like to try to manage <laughs> but still we can't forget after peter's sermon 3,000 people got saved at one time. A mega church was born in a day. This is the kingdom way. Yes, it's size. And yes, Jesus is saying size. That kingdom think some of the outreaches that he sends out through his branch are going to grow to a great magnitude. We can't say, let's put our brakes on when this happens. And then as you explore that word, I found it meaning Intensity. Intensity. Listen to these scriptures, Mark 4, 41. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him. That word translated uh, from Magos in this, in the English, is exceedingly, but it's the same word, meaning intense emotion. Intense emotion. John 6 and 18, and the sea rose by the reason of a great wind. It was a ferocious strong, violent wind. 
Jesus is saying, when, when I stretch out my will through a kingdom branch, one of my sons and daughter, they are going to have an intense, intense feeling inside of that work of whatever it is. That's what he's saying. What is the thing that you would do for free if you could? I've heard people say, if I could do that, I'd quit my job as service. The thing that keeps you up at night, the thing that makes you maybe want to even cry when you think how, how, how bad it is, the thing on, uh, that uh, makes you lose your sleep, the thing that you just shake your head and you have a, a holy uh, uh, fight inside of you that I am not going to let this happen. That is the thing that Jesus said in my kingdom, sons and daughters, I'm going to start working in their heart and there's going to be something in there that's going to make them want to cry. It's going to be something that's going to make them want to fight. It's going to be something that's going to make them want to give up all they have to do that one work. You see, when you get pushed off, it is that intensity that's kind of like the, the impetus of it. It's like a spark that pushes you out. Kind of like Nehemiah, he, you know, he said, you know, Jerusalem's walls are torn down and burnt with fire. And he went down and cried. And through that passion, a whole, it sparked a whole national revival through one man. Intensity. Intensity. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is we Christians, we push the intensity down. Think, oh, no, I can do that. I haven't been to Bible college. Oh, that'll take a lot of money. I can't do that. But I'll need you to listen to the intensity in your heart because it's in fact the impetus that will blow your branch out across somebody, some life, something that needs to be done that God has been having a burden on. You will feel his burden and you will begin to say, I have to do this. I must do this. I'll give up everything to do this. Don't push that back. Probably one of the greatest examples of this that I know that's alive today still is, I know I've talked about him before, this is Pastor Bill Wilson in New York. This was a man that was left on the side of the street by his ma when he was a kid, and he sat there for two days. Christian man picked him up, got him to a camp where he got saved, Christian camp. He becomes a pastor a bus pastor and comes up with this neat idea of Sunday, uh, Sunday, sidewalk Sunday schools. I don't know if he actually created it, but that is his ministry model. Back in 2000, he was ministering to 20,000 children on Saturday, 20,000. He sees himself, I heard it, as he's rescuing himself. He's rescuing himself, you know. Now he's gone international where he's rescuing ministering to 220,000 internationally. He's got them everywhere. I listen to his stories. This one that touches my heart so bad. You know, in some nations, girls don't have very much value, so this one family just chained their daughter up to a tree and wait for wild animals to eat them. Pastor Bill heard about that, and there he is in the bush looking for her. He rescues her. Tells another story of him being in a place and right before his eyes, sex trafficking was going on. Some guy getting ready to take some little girl in his back room. Well, if you know Pastor Bill, he started swinging and shut it down. Now, we're not advocating violence, but this is what he did. When you have this passion, sometimes you'll do things and maybe you shouldn't, but still you understand where he's coming from. 
and he shut it down. And he tells his final story of this kid that clearly had been abused and he was bleeding out. And to get him to the hospital would have meant he had to go across a border, which shuts down before he would even be able to get to the hospital. So he takes the keys, gets there, and he tells the, uh, the soldiers, look, I got this kid. He's going to die unless he gets to the hospital. And they say the border's closed. So he shoots into the water, closes his eyes, and guns it. They're shooting. He doesn't get hit. And when he finally gets to the other side, the commanding officer says, uh, what are you doing? And he points to the kid. This kid is going to die. And he says back to Pastor Bill, you are an intense man. And let him go. You see, just like Nehemiah, when he seen those walls burnt down and the passion that the people seen, he was able to rally others and draw them in to what he was feeling. Passion gets off on other people. And I don't want you to push your passion. I mean, this man, Pastor Bill, has been shot twice, stabbed twice, thrown off of a building, two plane crashes, a, a disease, and he's still in the 70s, is going strong. You might never have your branch reach overseas like him. You may only have one child in your class that you perceive is catching it, and you have passion for that one child. I say pour it on. Pour on the greatness on that one child. He's looking at you to pour on the greatness for that one because in heaven when one gets saved, they rejoice. But then this word megas has another meaning high position. It's used here as a high position, Mark 10 and 42. But Jesus called them to him and said unto them, you know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and their great ones exercise authority over, upon them. That's Magus again saying the dignitary is the great one uh, and this scripture, and then Acts 8 and 9, but there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used a sorcery, and bewitched the people of Samaria, given out that himself was some megas or great one, meaning stature. He sent through, although it's a negative connotation, it's he had stature in a society because of the witchcraft he was working. I believe when Jesus says that my branches are going to stretch out, that there's going to be people who have high Christian people that carry his name, his morals, his word, his nature. They will have high positions in society. You feel like God wants you to be a cop? Great calling. Don't shun, though, if he wants you to be the chief of police saying, I can't do that. And don't shun if he wants you to be the mayor. He's saying, I want my kingdom sons and daughters in every area in this world, in the White House, in the Pentagon, in the war room. I want there to be a testimony of the goodness of my kingdom and my father's love. You know, if you want to be a soldier, fantastic occupation but don't shun if God is trying to lead you to be some type of general that's actually at the Pentagon actually giving um, advice to the president in the White House why this is where we belong not everyone is going to be there but some will if you're going to be a lawyer great thing 
But don't shun the feeling that says, I want you to be a judge. I want them to know what Jesus looks like if he sat on a bench. I want them to know what a good person is. I want them to know what my sons and daughters are able to do. And Jesus will get all of the glory. No, this is kind of like opposite of what um, the disciples were doing. Who's going to be the greatest? That was just like a big head fest. Waterhead. They were trying to pump themselves up with who's the greatest. And Jesus blew their mind when he went down on his knees and washed their feet and says, I am your Lord. You're right. But if you're going to be great, you got to be servant of all. I think you understand what I'm saying. If you're going to be a teacher, that's one of the most greatest occupations to take the minds of young ones. But don't shun that feeling when God has begun wanting you to be a principal, a superintendent of a whole region. Start your own school. Why? Kingdom influence. Kingdom influence in the classroom. Kingdom influence when they're arguing about what should be done with the children. Kingdom influence all over the place. He's one of his sons and daughters to have kingdom influence to take the gifts that they have and run with it and give Jesus all the glory. When I got saved, I, um, I was like a bird. and my, I didn't know it, but my high school counselor, she was a Christian. I would actually skip class to go and just sit in her room, and she could have just thrown me out, but she knew I was in need, a Christian lady. One day I got ambushed. She had actually invited her pastor, and they were witnessing to me behind closed doors in a public school. The principal, I'm not sure if he was a Christian or not. He might have been, but whatever, that man, that pastor, and I was closed. Isn't that great? And they'd say, how do you know you're saved? And I, I got saved. I'm born again. I repented of my sins. But you see, when you have that highness and position, you can do things like that. You're the boss. And if I want to sneak a preacher in the back door and have him witness to a little bird that's under the wings of his Christian counselor, I'll do it because I'm up here. And that's what Jesus is saying. I want my kids to be up here, down there, and all around. And I want the world to feel the greatness of my power at every level, wherever they are. Another thing I found in the study of this word, Magos, was complexity. In the scripture in Ephesians 5 and 32, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. This passage, right before that, they were talking about how husbands and wives should treat each other. <clears throat> and then right at the end of that discourse, he said, but I say, I'm talking about Jesus and the church. And the mystery is that Jesus would really want to be connected to us in a marital type of relationship. We are all the bride of Christ. But it's a deep thing to understand is what this word is saying. I believe when Jesus says that those branches are going to shoot out, they're going to shoot out with some mystery involved in their calling. And I say this because you know how we are. We want it all laid out. But if you look in the scripture, the Lord doesn't really do that. He gives you a few steps and says, go for it now. I'll give you more as you move in faith. I'll give you more as you move in faith. 
I'll give you more when you feel that passion well up inside of you so big that you can't deny it. You just step out in faith. And I bring this point up for that very reason. Because I believe that we shun and push back and quench all the things sometimes that God has for us because we don't have the whole story. He's saying, stretch out. He's saying, stretch out, kingdom branch. Move like you've never moved before. The world is dying in all of this mess. And I want my children to minister my love. You don't need all the answers. Because, you know, if, we, if he were to download the whole story of our lives, our ears would probably smoke. We would overload with information. We might not even move if we were to get it all. But the overwhelming message of this passage is that his kingdom dominates. His kingdom becomes greater than every other kingdom. I don't know what you're going through, but if you hang in there with Jesus, if you don't quit, you win. If you, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will, but the whole idea is that his spiritual overcoming great nutrients will flood your life. Finally, When I hear of there being other kingdoms, you can't help but think there's competition. There's competition. There's probably competition that, there was competition me even getting up here to preach, seriously. We don't always feel like battling. We don't always feel like going to war, but we have to because we've been called to do that. First John 5, 4 and 5 says, For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. That's you. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? He that believed that Jesus is the Son of God. Sometimes it is just victory holding on to the things you've been praying for. A battle just to hold on for a prayer of a loved one. A battle just to get up and go to work. It is war. But if you don't give up, you will overcome. 1 John 4 and 4. Year of God, little children have overcome them. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. See, the world's attractions try to pull away you away from the nutrients of that great tree. If you don't quit and you abide in him, you overcome. In the last scripture, I write unto you fathers because you have known him. This is 1 John 2 and 13. That is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the father. Let's pray. Heavenly Jesus, we are honored to be your branches. We want to keep our heart open to where you're pushing us in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of faith that's failing, 
you still said your kingdom tree is greater than every other tree. Greater than every other disease. Greater than anything that can come in the world. It towers above all the things that the enemy, the enemy could throw at us. The world could throw at us. Heavenly Jesus, I'm praying, Lord God, that your sons and daughters will be true to those callings with wisdom on whatever you're asking them to do. Finally, if there's anybody that's not even in the kingdom yet. You see, our Father says, I let my rains and sun shine and rain down on the unjust and the just alike. Because he loves you. And he's reaching for you. This is why the kingdom started so small. He wanted to be a king for all people. Jesus, born in a stable, could relate to me. Jesus, a blue-collar worker, a carpenter, he can relate to me. He's not some dignitary only. He is uh, someone that could be related to in a small beginning, in a bad town if there's anybody out there right now even on the internet that you've never made him the Lord of your life I want to pray with you right now if there are any hands right that want to give their heart to Christ today just raise them up and we can pray together please repeat with me dear Jesus I come to you now humbly and ask Lord God that you will receive me I turn from my sins I give my life over to you and ask you to be a part of my life. You're my king now. I worship you and I love you. Help me along this road. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet just for a moment. And let's just have a moment of response. I know the Lord was speaking today. And let's sing this song together just a couple times before we go as a prayer to the Lord. Sing, here's my heart. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Lord, you're speaking to us today. We respond. Here's my heart, Say it again. Here's my heart. for being with us today. 
We thank you for the ability to come together in person and as well as over the internet waves. And Father, we just ask that you'd be with us this week, Father. We respond to your word. Let us be kingdom branches. We surrender our hearts to you. We surrender our will. We surrender ourselves to you, Lord, that you would work through us to reach this dying land. Father, bless us and keep us in your care this week, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Be dismissed. Thank you for joining us online. God bless you. Here's my hey, everyone. I'm Miranda, the missions director here at River of Life. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope that message was uplifting and encouraging. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future uploads. At the stream each month, we do something called Coffee with a Cause. That means that all of our proceeds go to a domestic organization to help them out. This month for October, we have chosen All Worthy of Love. If you would like more information on All Worthy of Love, check out their website or their Instagram. You can come in the stream before or after service, and all proceeds from our drinks will be going to All Worthy of Love this month. Again, thank you so much for joining us. I hope the message was encouraging, and we'll see you next time.